Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We're going to jump right in. Um, if you have your Bible or if you have your device, open it to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, you can also watch on the screens, but um, today there's a little bit of a task before us that comes from a father in the gospel writing to his son in the gospel. And we're going to kind of jump in a little bit. But before we get started, I want to ask you a question. Is it just me or does it seem like the world we're living in is filled with uncertainty on every side? I almost have a feeling that the word normal has been removed from the dictionary. I'm not even sure what normal means anymore. But what if what is going on that God is in the middle of all of this? Just possibly, what if this is a season of a divine setup of God to show off his glory, his love, his grace, and his power to be revealed. What if that could be what we're all going through? The last two and a half years have been interesting times for all of us. No matter what stage, married, single, whether you were doing really well or not doing really well, it's been an unusual period of time, but what if this could be a divine setup? So today I wanna share a message with you that's basically three things. A warning, words, and wisdom. A warning, words, and wisdom. Our time today is going to be spent in 2 Timothy 3, but before we read it, I want to give you a little bit of a setup so you can kind of grasp. There's actually some scholars that believe that the ink had not even dried on the parchment from 2 Timothy when Paul wrote to Timothy that he died almost immediately after penning these words. For one reason or another, Paul was imprisoned in Rome, and it seems that according to the way you read 2 Timothy, all of Paul's associates in ministry had COVID. You say, what do you mean? Everybody disappeared. Paul had nobody. The only person he now has is someone with him in spirit, and that was someone he had sent to pastor a church that he had started, and that was his son in the gospel named Timothy. Paul's kind of having a dark time. He's in a prison, uh, and the stock market had dropped 1,000 points on Friday, and Paul lost money also. Could it be that maybe we look through the scripture and we look at this book with a skewed view as if everybody's doing really good in here, but it maybe is not as bad as what we think it was? And maybe we look at ourselves and say, woe is me, look at the world we're living in. But what if we could maybe take a few moments this morning and just read 2 Timothy, part of chapter 3, and see a man that's writing his last epitaph and see what he would say in the midst of a very drastic time in his life. Let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves 
and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Are you starting to get the vibe of what this feels like? Does this have any type of contemporary value to us? They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. So how do you respond to that? Warning, words, and wisdom. Let's go with the warning first. In verse five, he's now set up Timothy to say, Timothy, this is where I see things are at, but I'm gonna give you a warning. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Jonas and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds, and watch this, a counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Jonas and Jambres. Jonas and Jambres were the two magicians that came against Moses when Moses was being confronted by Pharaoh. And Paul said, I'm going to take you back, Timothy, to a time that you heard of. But we're living in that, he says. It's, we're facing some moments that are much like that. He said, in fact, he lists some things that I believe are warnings. And the first one's this. He says, they work their way into people's homes. If there's anything that I believe the enemy is trying to attack right now, it is our homes. Our homes are under attack because the sanctity and the atmosphere are, are, of our home is a reflection of what is in our heart. What goes on in your home leaves a legacy and leaves an imprint into the people that call that place home. Whether you have children or not, if it's just you and your spouse, there is an imprint being left in the midst of what you do in your home. And Paul reaches out to Timothy and he says, listen, there will be something that is going to happen in people's homes. At the beginning of the year, Preston asked the staff, he said, what is it that you're asking God for this year? And we went around the room and one of the things I said, I want to see transformed marriages. I want to see transformed homes. And I want to see salvation come to people's lives that is marked by miraculous changes inside of them. Our homes have got to be changed. Over the next several months, our discipleship team has put together a process that you're going to hear a lot about. And it's going to be healthy hearts, healthy homes, 
healthy habits. You say, is that the order? Yes, that is the order because the heart has to be healthy first to bring health to the home. And when the home gets healthy, then all of a sudden you start creating habits between you and your spouse. And if you have kids, between you and your children. And Paul, writing to Timothy, probably around 68 AD, before the destruction of Jerusalem, he himself is on his last breath. He's saying, my son, listen to me. Be careful of what goes on in your home. There will be deceivers that will work their way into people's homes. And he said, these deceivers will also win the confidence of the vulnerable whose hearts are burdened with guilt and controlled by desires. You know, one of the greatest tactics that the enemy loves to use is guilt and shame. Notice vulnerable hearts controlled by guilt and controlled by desire. He then goes on and said, there will be those that are going to come in and they're going to invade your life, invade your local church that he was now pastoring, Timothy was, that Paul had started. And he said, here's what's going to happen. There will be new teachings, but they will never be able to understand the truth. Be careful what you hold on to that you call truth. He says, they have developed a depraved mind And I love this phrase that I think is probably one of the things that we can look at in our contemporary times. And he says they've developed a counterfeit faith. A zirconium faith. It's not real. It's a fake. In the first seven verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3, in those seven verses, Paul outlines 19 characteristics that were destructive to the spiritual well-being of an individual. Now, 2 Timothy is a short book, and it is a bit terse, but it has compassion to it. But in the warning piece, I believe Paul is trying his best to get his young son of the gospel. He's saying, listen, hear the warning. And, and can I just, for a moment, as an older pastor on this staff, in fact, the oldest pastor on staff with 40-plus years in ministry, can I just tell you that I hear the heart of our church and the heart of our pastor. And if there's anything that he is calling us to and God is calling us into, and that is find the heart of God and follow that heart after God. We do not need to find counterfeit faith or begin to be pulled aside by things that are new teachings of things that have not yet been proven. Warnings. Sometimes we need a good warning to keep us on the right path. Yesterday we were driving down to Chandler and my car's got on the rear view mirrors, it's got these little lights that come on. If I'm getting ready to change lanes and there's a vehicle in the next lane, it'll pop up on there and it'll start beeping. Beep, 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 beep. Now I could do two things. I could say, oh wow, I need to be careful now because there's a car in the lane. Or I could start yelling at my car like, okay, listen, we were talking, I'm trying to listen to the radio, why are you beeping? It's a warning. Phil, if you don't pay attention, you're going to run into the car in the next lane. How many times in our lives do we have warning signals around us or warnings that come to us and we kind of do what we do sometimes. I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's not that close and we miss it. This is a full, almost a full bottle of extra strength, rapid release Tylenol. Now, the reason you take Tylenol, it says right here, pain reliever 
and fever reducer. And all of you are like, well, of course, that's what Tylenol's for. And that's amazing. And, and whenever you have a little bit of a fever, start feeling a bit of pain in your shoulder, or you had a hard workout, throw a Tylenol in. But my question is, have you ever read the back warning about Tylenol? Let me help you with this. From about 2005 till about 2014, I made multiple trips into Albania with a team of doctors and we were taking in tens of thousands of dollars worth of medications and doing leadership and also speaking in churches. And I asked one of the doctors, we bring a lot of medications in, leaving with the doctors there. And I said, what do you think is the most dangerous drug that we're taking in? And I thought, well, maybe one of the, you know, one of the antibiotics. And he said, you know what the most dangerous thing that we're taking in to Albania is? And I said, what? Tylenol. He said, here's what happens. People take one and it makes them feel better. And if one made me feel that good, I might as well take five. And they don't take heed to the warning. So let me read you of what you've been taking for fever and pain reduction of what it can do to you. This product can cause severe liver damage. This product, if mixed with alcohol, do not drive while using it. This product will cause skin reddening, blisters, rash. If skin reaction occurs, stop use, seek medical help. Excessive use of this can bring death. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel because that's what you're taking it for. But yet we sometimes get so used to things that like it's going to be okay. And you know what? It's not that bad. Can I ask you that when Paul wrote to Timothy and we just read those 19 characteristics, how many of those are characteristics in our day today? Warning, warning, warning. I think that too many Christians today are like the pilot who informed his passengers. We are lost, but we're making good time. I think there's a lot of people that just, I don't even know what I believe. I don't even know what I really adhere to. I don't even know what is truth. I'm not even sure what is real anymore. Warning, be careful what you believe is truth. And the second thing is words. He says that in verse 10, he changes his tone. He says, but you, Timothy, he starts to give him some words to live by. Timothy, you certainly know that what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Now, as we read that, that may not mean a lot to you, but one of the th areas that we try and strive for inside of Fight Club, inside of Rooted, in our life groups, is transparency. Stop sweeping things under the rug. Stop putting the mask on. Stop trying to bolster yourself, but just be transparent. If you're hurting, let it be known. If you're rejoicing, let's rejoice together. And he says to Timothy, he said, listen, you know me. And he gives six things that he says. He says, Timothy, you know what I teach. You know that what I teach is the basis of the discipleship that I live. 
My experiences can never be the basis. He said, you know what I teach. It's not experiential, it's real. He said, you, Timothy, you know how I live. The second thing is, you know how I live. My life is consistent with my message. I have nothing to hide. The third thing he said, you know my purpose in life. I stayed true to what I believed was truth. And Timothy, I tried my best to stay away from deception and immorality. See, Timothy was pastoring in Corinth, which was one of the most wicked cities. If you've ever read the book of First and Second Corinthians, what was going on in the church there. And Paul says, here's the thing you know about me, son. I've tried to stay with my purpose. Then he said, you know my faith. Timothy, you know that I have a trust in God. I have a doctrine that I hear to. Paul gives Timothy some words about, look at my life and you know me, son. You know all of my bad, you know all of my good. But notice what he said. I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Paul starts going back to some painful times in his life. Remember Paul said, I was shipwrecked, I was left for dead, I was abandoned, and he goes through all of these things. Now at the end of his life, he can talk about them with words of wisdom to his son in the gospel on the last letter that he ever writes. He says, you know about my persecution. You know that I held true to what my life lesson and life mission was. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. I'll guarantee you that every one of you in this room have got some Antiochs in your life. You've got some Iconiums, you've got some Lystra. There's some moments in your past that have left a mark in you and maybe you're not ready yet to live with it. But Paul said, I have lived with that and I know this, the Lord has rescued me from it all. When he said, Timothy, you know my faith and my doctrine, can I give you some words of encouragement? Many times, if we're not careful, we will miss the truth because we follow the wrong path. See, what do you mean? Be careful when you follow someone because of a mixture of psychology and success motivation and personality. Paul said, I have none of that. He said, you know my faith and you know my doctrine. Then he said, number five, he said, you know my patience. And then the sixth thing he said, Timothy, you know my suffering. Every one of us in this room have an assurance that no matter what is happening in our life, those last words are, the Lord will rescue me from all of it. You may be sitting here today and you're in the middle of something that you need rescued. You're in a good place today. Because in just a few moments, we're gonna give God a chance to speak words to you. Verse 12, he says, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. This is one of those verses that I wish they'd have pulled out of the Bible. Like, please, could you take this one out? 
everyone who wants to live a godly life, and I'll guarantee you if I said, hey, how many want to live a godly life? Every hand would go up. But read the rest of it. If you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Now, this is not Debbie Downer. This is facing life. But I love what Paul's saying because he's already talked about his persecution in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. He said, Timothy, know this. We're not promised from. We are promised through. What you may be going through now, there's no promise that you will never have to face things, but you are promised that he will take you through things. Adversity and persecution many times expand our capacity to develop with Christ and learn to reign with him. We sometimes need a little push to begin to look at life from a different perspective. But the key is this. You will face persecution, but he says this, live a godly life. He didn't say learn to live a legalistic life. He didn't say learn to check boxes of religion. He said, live a godly life. Let your life be centered on God. That's the words that he gives. I mean, he knows he's dying and he knows that this is the last words that his son is going to get. And he said, you're going to face some tough times. But Timothy, just live a godly life. Then the third thing is wisdom. He then changes from warning to words to wisdom. Here's some wisdom I want to give you, Timothy. Wisdom to live by. Watch verse 13. Evil people and imposters will flourish. Has that ever bothered you as it bothers me sometimes? Why did they get by? Why did they get ahead? Evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Verse 14, but you, Timothy, must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true. For you know that you can trust those who taught you. See, it's one thing to be taught and it's another thing to remain faithful. Timothy, remain faithful to the things you've been taught. See, education in and of itself is not going to bring transformation. We need to know, but we need to be faithful to what we know. You say, I don't know if I have wisdom over an area. Maybe there's something that's coming to your mind right now. And you're thinking, I, I'm like Timothy. I need some wisdom to live by. I need someone to download some wisdom to me. Do you know the book of James chapter 1 and verse 5 said, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all. That includes you. You may be sitting here and said, I'm not sure he's the one. I'm not sure she's the one. I'm not sure about what to do on my job right now. I'm not sure what, whether we should sell. I'm not sure whether we should move. All of those things that are outside of what you know you have the expertise to, can I ask you and give you some wisdom to live by? Why don't you just, Father, give me 
wisdom. I don't know what to do. There's nothing wrong with telling God, I don't know what to do. But I'm asking you, and you've promised me that you would give me, not just give me, you would liberally give it to whoever asks. You see, Timothy had some trusted people in his life, and Paul knew that. Because remember, he said, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught because you know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. So who taught Timothy? It's interesting in Scripture, most genealogies or history of individuals is given through the fathers, but not Timothy. It's through his grandmother and his mother. In fact, Paul says in the beginning of 2 Timothy, he says, when I recall the faith of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I know there's something in you. I stand here today not because of 40 years of pastoral ministry, not because of a, a doctorate in ministry. I stand here from a grandmother, she was about that tall, one of the most praying women that prayed all eight of her children to know the Lord and prayed my grandfather from an alcoholic into a man of God that was baptized at 79 years old. What I know, the faith of your grandmother. Today, my mother is 88 years old. She has been a pastor's wife for most of her life. And today she is laying in a chair, stage four Alzheimer's, cannot attend church. But when I stand here today, I stand on the legacy of my grandmother and I stand on the legacy of my mother because they taught me. Paul says, remain faithful to the things you've been taught because you know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. I have a question for you. Who are the trusted people in your life that are speaking into you? Who is it that you're allowing in to the good, the bad, and the ugly? Verse 15, Paul goes down the route of his childhood. He says, you've been taught the Holy Scripture. I, I love this. In the original language, the word there, Holy Scripture, basically is it's, the, um, it's sacred letters. Most theologians believe that it is suggested that Timothy learned the Hebrew alphabet. He was taught the scriptures so intently by his grandmother. The father does not show up. We don't find much about Timothy's father. And, and for those of you that you're the mom in the house and you're the one trying to do the job of raising the spiritual admonition of your children, look what happened to Timothy. He became a mighty man of God. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Watch what happens. They've given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. There is power in a godly heritage. 
as a father of three and a grandfather of six, take serious what influences your children and your grandchildren and what they're receiving. Do not neglect the consistent word of God in your home. I'm not talking about Bible banging your kids. I'm talking about how is it that you get this truth into their hearts. The consistent influence of godly teachers and pastors by learning to develop in your home what we call a healthy cadence. Not just have to go to church, but a healthy cadence of this is what we do. This is what dad does. This is what mom does. We, we go to worship. We go to serve. We go to receive. We go to be sharpened. We don't go to be seen or to show off or to let people know what we've done. We go to develop something inside this house that builds us as a family. When my wife found out she was pregnant with our first child and our oldest daughter is now 41 years old, she's a pastor's wife in New Jersey, incredible woman of God that leads a ministry called Imago Day of women in South Jersey. When my wife found out she was pregnant, every night I would lay my hand over on her belly and I would pray and I would, I would tell a Bible story and I would pray over the embryo. Now you say, well, that's just silly. No, I needed the practice. Every day, every day of the pregnancy, when she was born the first day in the hospital, Oakwood Hospital in Dearborn, Michigan, I took, the, took her in my arms and I said, all of your days in mom's womb, I've told you a story and I prayed over you. And as your father, I commit to do this for the rest of your life. Every night, not because I'm a great dad, because if you were to ask my children today, my three kids, is your dad perfect? They'll tell you, of course he's not. Did your dad leave a godly legacy? Yes, because we saw his imperfections in the midst of God's grace. Our kids would not go to sleep until I would tell them a story out of the Bible and would pray with them. It was not uncommon. I'd get busy and she'd, Pam would have them up in bed. Dad, dad, dad. I'm like, what? You didn't pray with us. Oh, sorry. Can I encourage you that our parents, you are leaving an indelible print on your children. Not just by what you say what you do. Start young. Some of you say, look, I, we just got saved and, and you know, we don't, we haven't got that in our family. It's never too late to start, but leave a thumbprint of reality, of truth in your children's lives. Second Timothy also says in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses what? Scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So when I read that, I want to read it again. All scripture is inspired by God and the, the original word there is the word theonoustos. 
Theos meaning God, nousis meaning breathed. It's the breath of God. Something happens when you take God's word and it doesn't become an object, but it becomes living and like, this is your breath. There have been times in my life that I've needed direction and all of a sudden I would go back to a passage that I would know and begin to read it and you would see something just begin to jump off the page. Why? Because the theonousis, the, the, the God of the scripture began to breathe out of it and it became alive in my life. You can do this with your kids. I'm going to read it again. All scripture is useful to teach us what is true. In other words, to show us what is right. It makes us realize what is wrong. It also shows us what is not right. It corrects. It tells us how to get right. And then it teaches us what is right. It shows us how to stay right. The absolute authority of the Bible over our lives must be based in a conviction that this book does not merely contain the word of God but that this is the word of God. This text in 2 Timothy 3, it is the word of the Holy Spirit speaking and allowing there to be a transcendence of God to humanity, divinity touching humanity. The Bible is not just a product of elevated human consciousness or enlightened human intellect. It is the breath of God coming to us, his creation. 2 Peter 1 and 20 says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved, and the word they're moved is they were breathed on by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. In the last verse, verse 17, God uses it, God uses what? His word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So here's how we're going to wrap this up today. Over the next few moments, Living in the world that we're living in now, the uncertainty of all that's happening, and I know they say don't look at your retirement and, and don't look at your investments, and I know all of that, but and, and be careful paying attention to, you know, to the feds when they're meeting in Jackson Hole, and, and I understand all of that, and don't get mixed in the political chaos. But where are you right now, this moment, this season, this time? What if we were to take a few moments like Paul did in his last breathing words to his son? Son, the last days, it's going to get kind of crazy. But you know the life I lived. And son, you will go through challenging times, but those who live godly in Christ Jesus will go through it. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's your health. 
Maybe it's your occupation. Maybe it's a life decision about the spouse that you've chosen and wonder whether to go ahead and pop the question. What if we were to take just a few moments in the stillness and the presence of the almighty God and and pull James 1 and 5 out? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all who ask. Maybe you're here and maybe in the next few moments you need to receive a warning. Maybe God in his graciousness and compassion is going to give you a warning. And he's going to abruptly stop you in your steps and say, my daughter, my son, I love you too much to let you continue down this path and that this morning, I want to give you a warning about next steps. Maybe some of you have never heard the voice of God, the impression of God in your life. What if in the next few moments, if the God of creation that made you who longs to speak with you, could just say, my daughter, my son, I want to I share something with you. And for those of you that are facing something you don't know what to do, wisdom, warning, words, wisdom. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.